Welcome to Flower Friends. This is your weekly podcast about growing, designing, and selling flowers. And I'm your host, Sarah Nayani. At the beginning of each episode, I love to give a little update of what's happening in my city garden and with my small business, Grow Girl Seattle. And this week, I posted about bearded iris, and I was so excited because other people were into it. (laughs) I had a complex because last year I put bearded iris into some of my mixed bouquets that I sold at a coffee shop down the street. And in the morning I would deliver like my little flower stand with 12 bouquets or so. And the ones with bearded iris in them would not sell, which made me really wonder what was going on there because they're one of my favorite flowers. So I posted about some of my favorite varieties and It seemed like at least the Instagram crew is down with the bearded iris. So (laughs) I'm going to say it's the flower friends are into it and people who are shopping at a coffee shop. I don't know. It's not their thing. That's fine. I fell in love with bearded iris for the first time back in 2020. I got myself something kind of bougie for my birthday. It was a flower arranging class with Nika Camille or Nicolette Camille of Little Flower School. She is such an amazing floral designer and I just loved her work. I was following along with it and when she offered a peony and bearded iris class that I could just do in my own home, it was pretty exciting. So I was like doing it. (laughs) Early birthday present. So I got that and she shipped a box of peonies and iris from Oregon to my house. And then there was a little video. And so I just did some arranging. And that was actually my first vase mechanics arrangement. Everything I had done before then was just kind of like in a tall vase. And I was just playing around with the flowers that I had grown. But this was the first one that I was like actually putting, you know, chicken wire into a vase and taping it down and then kind of placing the flowers exactly where I wanted them. And they would stay. And so it kind of changed my whole mind. I was like, I need to do this. It was kind of funny because I, our house was not super clean. This was the beginning of the pandemic and it was kind of a shit show, let's be honest. So (laughs) I hadn't done laundry in a while. We had stuff all over our living room. And as soon as I made that arrangement, I was like, I need to clean the entire house to like match the beauty of this arrangement. And then I called my husband from work and I was like, Vic, how are the flowers doing? Are they okay? (laughs) I was like worried they didn't have enough water or something. I don't know. But anyway, the very next day after I made that arrangement, I went on to Shriners Iris uh, website and I ordered eight varieties. And those came later in the summer and I planted them right into 12 inch pots, which I think Iris probably mostly want a bigger space than that, but it worked out great. And in 2021, I had these beautiful blooms. So some of my favorite varieties were um, this funny, funny name, but it's called Anaconda Love. And it's this like purple and it's got this kind of like pink mauve color to it as well. It's so beautiful. It's like freckled, speckled. And then I also love one called Autumn Sunrise. That one was a little bit of a splurge, but it was totally worth it. And it produced like multiple stems throughout the season. So that that was definitely cool. It's just the most beautiful color. And then another one is called All My Dreams. And that one reminds me of like a creamsicle. It's like cream and orange, really beautiful coloring on that. So then um, I fell even more in love with them last year and I ended up ordering 22 more. Let's just make it an even 30. (laughs) This is my problem with plants, you guys. I can't stop. But um, I didn't really have anywhere to put them when they all arrived in August. So I put those ones into smaller pots, probably six or eight inches. 
And then I just waited until I had time in October, November to build a little perennial bed in my backyard. So I stuck all of the irises in there, including the ones that I had in bigger pots the year prior, because I really think they want more space. They want to spread out. They, they grow pretty quickly. And so I, they're all greening up in the garden right now. I have these huge, beautiful leaves. The nice part about iris is they're kind of evergreen. Not, not really, but for most of the year, their leaves are really nice, tall, bright green color, and they just add a beautiful element to the garden. And so I'm kind of anxiously awaiting the stems to pop up so I can see all the flowers. Some of the things that I love about bearded iris is the frilly romantic texture. They add such a beautiful focal flower pop in arrangements and bouquets. Some of them have a gorgeous smell to them. I love the fragrance when I'm just out gardening or when I bring them inside the house. And then the variety of colors is incredible. There are some that are like coffee and cream. There's like strawberry milkshake type colors there's these beautiful like light blues all the way to like a deep dark blue I can't remember the variety I got but it's a dark blue and then they even have black I got some called night ruler and black suited that I'm so excited to see I think it'll look really cool against like the different colors in the garden at that time so I can't wait other things going on in the garden right now, it's kind of the peak moment for daffodils and tulips. It's kind of the like intersection of when they both are blooming at the same time. Daffodils started a few weeks ago for me and are still going very, very strong. New variety is kind of coming up and I got over a thousand daffodil bulbs last fall and I couldn't plant them all at once. So it's kind of nice because even some in the same variety are sort of staggered. So for instance, I planted apricot whorl, and those were one of the first ones to bloom for me. I had some that were in my backyard and then a couple in the front, and the ones in the front bloomed later because I planted them later, and I think it's a little bit cooler there than it is in the backyard. So it's kind of nice because I've had a couple flushes, but I think in future years, those varieties will all probably bloom closer to the same time. And for tulips, some of my early ones are done. Exotic Emperor was one of the first to bloom for me, and those all came on at the exact same time, and I put them all in bouquets and arrangements last week and the week prior. Avant-Garde is another one that was super early for me, another white tulip, and it is still blooming, which is kind of cool, even though they're all planted together. Um, some came on really early, and some are still going, so that one's kind of nice. It's lasting quite a while. I have apricot giant, which is huge. I want to say the stems are like three feet tall. It's pretty incredible. I, I don't think I've ever seen a tulip so tall. And then a lot of the parrot varieties of tulips are starting to bloom. They're really, really gorgeous. One mistake I made, though, is not checking into the stem length a little bit better. Um, I think it's the Rococo parrots that are just so beautiful, but the stem length is like 10 inches when I pull them out with the bulb on and then cut the bulb off I'm left with about 10 inches on most of those and for me that's a little bit too short for my wrap bouquets so I've been using those in some arrangements but not as useful in terms of you know the taller wrap bouquets that I also sell so it's a good idea as things are coming into bloom I'm just kind of trying to take notes about what I love what I don't love what worked really well for me this year what grew well what didn't, and use that information to place orders for next year. 
if there are varieties that you're really set on, you're really excited about, some of them like Labella Pock and others um, are just really popular. <laughs> and so it's a good idea to go ahead and get that order in, you know, up to a year in advance. I think the general rule of thumb for like, if you're trying to grow very specific varieties is to order when that item is in bloom. So basically a year in advance. So if you can believe it, I already have all of my tulip order in for next year, but I love to come along and just go to Fred Meyer or different places and grab tulip bulbs in the fall as well because they have some really cool varieties and you don't have to get all of these like precious, perfect kinds. There's so many that are just easy to get and relatively cheap. So don't worry if you don't have like all of your bulbs ordered for next year. It's no big deal. You can find really cool ones at your local nursery or grocery store. And I highly recommend that. You can find some treasures that way. So one of the things that I love doing and some of you might have joined me with last year was I do a grow along. It's a flower bulb lasagna grow along. And you're like, what does pasta have to do with flowers? Well, it has everything to do with flowers <laughs> because you're going to make your flower pot into a lasagna. And basically what I do is I put a layer of soil and then I put some tulip bulbs in, another layer of soil, and then some daffodil bulbs in, and then another layer. And you can either put crocus on the top for a very early bloom, or I like to do hyacinth, the little muscary hyacinth, because those kind of bloom around the same time that the daffodils are starting and it's just gorgeous. So basically what that gives you is a flower, one single flower pot that's going to kind of continuously bloom for over a month in most cases. So it'll come on with the hyacinth and the daffodils first, and those will have a couple strong weeks of bloom. And then right up through the middle of those, the the tulips come in and right as the daffodils are dying and the hyacinth are kind of fading, the tulips go right into bloom. So I have these flower pots right up my front step. I made some and I sold some this year. They're just a really happy entryway item. You can put it down at the end of your driveway. Just something really pretty and springy. And I think if you make something like this in the fall, you'll be really happy come spring that you did. It really doesn't take much. You can do it for under like $20, $30, depending on where you get your bulbs and your soil and what kind of pot you use and stuff. If you have a pot already, it can be even cheaper than that. It's just the cost of the bulb. So I hope you'll grow along with us. Uh, I'm not going to get fully started on that yet, but throughout the podcast, I'll give a little more info. But if you are thinking about doing one of these or even buying particular types of tulips that you're really set on, go ahead and get those ordered now and they will come this fall and then we'll start planting. So more info on that to come, but just wanted to float the idea out to you now. If you have a little bit more space than a flower pot, say you have a lawn or a backyard area that you want to turn into a garden bed, this is a great interview to listen into. I got to talk to Jay from Jay's Garden Journal and hear all about her sheet mulching techniques, how she turned her front and backyard into beautiful garden space. And it was actually from watching her videos and realizing I didn't have to wait a year for this to turn into a garden bed. I could just start it and plant it now that inspired me to start redoing my whole backyard. So thank you, Jay, helping me expand my flower growing. <laughs> all right, we'll catch you over at the interview. Oh, today we're talking flowers with Janice Groves. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. 
Thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, tell me a little bit about where you're located. Sure. I'm in South Carolina, but I'm at the very top of South Carolina, zone eight, about 20 minutes from Charlotte. So, you know, I'm actually zone 8A. Okay. Yeah. I, I would always assume like South Carolina is super hot. What's it like there, like seasonally for you guys? So I, I kind of um, think about the fact that I can actually grow tulips. So do get cold enough, an, enough cold days to where tulips will grow in my town. Now, my father who lives two hours south of me, He's not so successful with growing tulips because it's a little bit warmer down there. So they don't get as many cold nights as we do. Okay. Well, that's great that you get the tulips in. I've been seeing lately uh, some of the colors that you have. Are, are, do you want to explain a little bit about those? Sure. So my tulips, every year I, I plant tulips, but I only purchase tulips that are on clearance. So a lot of times I'll get all kinds of different colors, uh, which is fine with me. I'm not stuck to a single color, even though red is one of my favorite colors in the garden. I'm happy with mixing it up. So anytime I find clearance bulbs, I buy as many as I can and just fill my garden up with them because when spring comes around, I want to be able to see some color. I don't want to wait until, you know, July or June and May. I want to start seeing color in the garden in February. Absolutely. And I think that's such a great tip. Like I, I was trying to record, I do this thing called a bulb lasagna where I just in pots, you know, will plant like layers of different bulbs. And it's funny because I bought all these like, you know, pricey, fancy ones that are, people are excited about, but the ones that I got from Fred Meyer are actually some of my favorite. And they're just like, when you walk in the store, they're on those shelves right on the side and you can get so many. And especially if they're on clearance or on sale, there's some really good options that people I think should look into. And it's like a, a treasure for yourself exactly. later. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your garden space and like the area that you grow in. Sure. So my plot is about a quarter acre, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And I was counting my beds today and I have about 10 beds in my yard that I've created over the years. And two of those beds are my hell strip, which is that area between the road and the sidewalk. So I count those as my flower beds as well. Um, And my backyard garden has the most flower beds. Okay. And I made those beds really big, wide and and long. Uh, One of them I even call my long border because it's a pretty long, it's as long as the backyard pretty much. Nice. Um, And nice and wide, maybe about four to five feet, maybe six feet wide. Um, So my soil is red clay soil. I have that heavy red clay southern soil. Uh, So when I started gardening, that was what intimidated, intimidated me the most was that heavy red clay soil, but I learned over the years how, how to deal with that. Um, and I'll go ahead and mention that, you know, the way I deal. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. So I learned from, um, a YouTuber, um, Hort Tube is the name of his station and he lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I learned a lot about dealing with planting and soil, um, in my area. So we, so he, I learned from him, 
to use um, the, what are they called? A pine bark. Okay. A soil conditioner. So I do buy a lot of pine bark to mix in for any hole that I dig, especially for trees and shrubs. I mix that in really well before I do any, any planting. And does that help with like drainage, kind of break up the clay a little? Is that the idea? It does. It helps break up the clay, gives it some aeration. And then the other thing is when I plant something like a shrub or a tree, I make sure to have that tree or shrub about an inch above the soil line, because usually they, you know, people recommend planting flush with the soil, but I make sure that it's raised up so that the plant has room to drain and room to, to aerate, get some air in there. So, oh, that's, that's a good tip. So you kind of, if you put something in, it's like an inch above, do you kind of take soil and smooth it out? So it's like a little bit of a mound where that is. Actually, I leave it. Okay. I leave it exposed. Now, when I go back in mulch, you can't really tell that it's up high. Yeah. Yeah. I make sure sometimes some things I have two inches above the soil and they're doing just fine. Good. So that's a good tip for like working in clay is to basically give the plant more aeration, maybe put something up a little. I've never heard that. I love that. (laughs) So Jay, how did you get into gardening? Well, when I moved into my home about 16 years ago, I didn't know anything about planting flowers, perennial shrubs. Um, But I noticed that there were some flowers that were growing alongside my house and they would come back every year. And then I learned that they were daylilies. So I always anticipated those daylilies coming back. And so I decided I wanted to have a few more flowers. So the daylilies were there. Then I remember adding in some begonias just around the edge and those were annuals. Um, And then I remember that I love fresh tomatoes. My dad used to grow fresh tomatoes all the time. So good. Yes. I dug a little plot in my backyard and planted squash and tomatoes for the first time. And they did okay, but it was um, it was the digging that was hard because I, I didn't know that there were better methods for creating gardens. So I got out there and dug up grass out of red clay soil and, and that was quite intimidating, but then I, I got some other methods. You get your workout in with that one. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about some of those methods. So one of the ways that I found you was your sheet mulching videos. And I didn't really know that much about it. I grow flowers here in Seattle and I try to sell them. So more for like cut production and I do a lot of raised beds, but I've been working on my whole backyard and last fall, I used your sheet mulching video to like take over a piece of grass. So could you explain a little bit about what sheet mulching is? Sure. Yeah. So I, I learned about sheet mulching from YouTube and I knew there was a better way to create a garden bed. So I looked it up, saw that all I needed was cardboard and some natural material. So what I usually do, I try to do it in the fall, but really you can do it any time of year. So what I do is I, I gather up a lot of cardboard, newspaper, um, and then I make sure to lay that down and have it overlapping on the edges so that none of the grass or, or weeds can come through the cardboard. And I wet that cardboard down as, as much as possible, get it nice and soaked for one, so it doesn't fly away. And then for two, to start that decomposing process. So that gets it going. And right on top of that cardboard, I add 
if I have enough, I'll add compost. Okay. I don't make enough compost in my own garden. So that can get expensive. So sometimes I'll do compost on top of the cardboard and then I'll do mulch on top of that. The first year that I did my sheet mulching um, garden, I actually had two trees cut down and I asked the arborist to leave all the wood chips here. Oh, that's so smart. Uh, yeah. So I was able, that long border that I have in my backyard started with just cardboard and the wood chips from the Bradford pear trees that I had cut down in my yard. And so if you're starting it in the fall, so you're going to put the cardboard and then maybe compost and mulch. And do you just kind of like let that sit over the winter period? Yeah. And there, a lot of people have asked me if, if you can plant directly in it. And you absolutely can. It's just that you can do it one of two ways. You can plant first, dig the holes for the singular plants that you want to put in and then sheet mulch around them. Or you can do your sheet mulching and maybe a month later, the cardboard will be soft enough, soft enough to where you can actually dig through it with a shovel. Okay. So it is possible to not have to wait six months for it to completely decompose. You can go ahead and start planting. Now that's for things like trees, shrubs, perennials that already have a good root system. What I wouldn't recommend is trying to grow seeds on top of a cardboard um, garden bed that you just put in place. Now, if the cardboard has already decomposed and the soil has already you know, started to, to be easy to work, then I would do seeds. But otherwise, I wouldn't do seeds right on top of a freshly sheet mulched area. Okay. So maybe if you start it in the fall and then you get it to a place, maybe you have a few perennials you're putting in, in the fall. So you plan around those. And then by the springtime, say it's like six months later, do you think that you'd be able to plant like seed transplants or little plugs into it? I think so. And even if the cardboard hasn't um, decomposed completely, if you're doing plugs, I would still use a hand trowel and just make sure that I'm making contact with the soil before I do that planting. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then, so what does, uh, what are some of the benefits of using cardboard and how do you prepare the cardboard? Uh, so the biggest benefit for me is that it eliminates backbreaking work of digging the red clay soil because that was the hardest part for me with creating garden beds was how much work it took. Definitely. So laying down cardboard is, is the biggest benefit for me. And then the other thing is the cardboard and the soil and compost and, and mulch encourages earthworms to come into your garden and, and eat up that cardboard and, and eat up that compost and just improve your soil. My soil has gotten so much better um, since I started sheet mulching. And sometimes it's hard to believe that there is red clay soil underneath these areas because it has improved so much. That's awesome. That's a huge benefit. And do you use it like for weed suppression at all? Or like, do you ever use, I, I think in one of your videos, it looked like maybe it was springtime that you were putting some down around your existing perennials. Is that another use maybe? So sometimes when I plant a new tree, I'll plant the tree and put cardboard around 
the base of the tree. And the one thing to remember is not to cover up the root ball of that new tree because it needs that that area for watering. Okay. You don't want that cardboard coming right up to the trunk of the tree. So I usually cut a circle the size of that root ball and do my cardboard that way and then put mulch on top of that. And that way you're getting rid of the grass that would try to creep up around this new tree you just planted. That's really, yeah, that's really helpful. So you can sort of use it to like plant around, improve your soil in areas where someone might have a garden where something's already existing and you're improving this, the area around the tree or around the perennial plant. You're eliminating the weeds that pop up. So you're making, you're making work easier for yourself. Instead of having to pull all those weeds, you can just use a barrier, cover it with mulch, and, and that saves you from having to pull weeds. Could you talk a little bit about garden edging as well? Like if someone has a yard and they're using a sheet mulching to maybe create a border, how would you recommend to edge that area that you're not going to do sheet mulch that you might still want to be grass or lawn? You could do it um, two ways. You could, I usually take a water hose and I lay out the area or the, the perimeter of the bed that I want to create. And I'll just go around that hose and cut out a section of the soil. Okay. Once you have that, it's like a trench. It's like a small trench around the shape of the bed that you want. And once you have that small trench in place, then you could do your cardboard. And sometimes I do newspaper right along the edge of that trench because that newspaper can, can be pushed down a little bit around the trench. Whereas cardboard, you can't move it as easily. Oh, that's smart. And I'll do the newspaper right around the edge of the trench. That way, when I mulch, that newspaper is kind of sitting inside of the trench. And the mulch is, is on top of the cardboard and the newspaper. Great. And so basically you're using the hose to like create a line. That's a, that's a really good idea. So you can visualize it. Cause that's a hard thing. I think for people <laughs> to, to picture. <laughs> um, and so do you, when you're planting out the, with the plants that you choose, do you have like a certain style or aesthetic that you're going for in your yard? I used to try to plan it out on paper and it would just stress me out. Yes. <laughs> me out because I felt like it had to be perfect. I had to know exactly where this was going to go. I had to know what it was going to look like when it, when it was all done. And I just decided I, I wasn't going to do that. So I do sketch my garden on paper, but I don't plan out what what's going to be planted. And I think about my mom, um, when she used to plant her garden, she would just point to an area and ask my father to dig a hole there. <laughs> hole, and she would just put a plant in that hole. You know, it wasn't any planning or any of that. And her garden, you know, turned out to be a, a beautiful garden. And so I think about her a lot when I'm out there gardening. I'm, I just remember that, you know, dig a hole, plant it, because what happens is, and, and for those who will go back and look at my Instagram, the, the garden finds a way to make everything work together. So there were areas where I planted canna lilies, ornamental grass, zinnias, 
And the way those grew together was just amazing. Oh, gorgeous. It's one of my favorite combinations. Seeing that ornamental grass in front of the canna lilies and the zinnias just kind of popping up through it, you know. So a lot of times, well, all the time, I really don't plan it out. I'll I'll sit on the back porch and just kind of stare at the garden. Yep. Uh, just kind of stare and, and imagine what it might look like if I put something there. And, and that's how I do it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just take my shovel and dig it up. Yep. And move it or yeah, split it up, put it in different places. I like that. Yeah. Picturing what it could look like. And do you buy things from the nursery? Do you start things from seed and you're just picking things that you, you love and then you're finding a way and maybe some surprises of how to make those things look good together. Oh, this, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I have a few gardener friends and, and a few of them um, are older than me. They're um, seasoned gardeners and they have gardens that are very mature. And anytime I go visit them, they send me home with buckets and buckets of divisions. Oh, love that. <laughs> good friends. <laughs> Every iris that is in my garden was given to me by a very special gardener. I've never bought, well, actually I did buy one iris this year, but all the other ones came from her garden. Um, so that's that's my favorite way to get plants is from gardeners, you know, and, and family members because I always, they, they just make them, it's just so much more special, you know, when you see those in your garden. But, um, but other than that, over the last few years, I'm a big clearance girl. I'll go out there and see what's on the clearance racks. Um, so I've racked up a lot of things on clearance. I, I do grow some things from seeds, mainly annual zinnias, especially cosmos in the summertime. Um, but I don't do a lot of seed starting because of the climate that I have here. I don't really have to, so I can do a lot of direct sowing. Okay, that's great. Yeah, so if I want something to grow, I, I honestly just scratch the ground and throw the seed out and see what happens. And what kind of seeds, like for an example, do you direct sow? Yeah, so zinnias, cosmos, um, any type of veggies like lettuce. I even did tomatoes one year. I just threw a bunch of seeds out to see what happened. But what I had to do was do a lot of thinning that year. Um, bulbs, I love bulbs. So I grow tulips, of course. Um, I grow um, dahlias. I did dahlias for the first time successfully last year. Yay. Yeah, yeah. so I grew those. And yeah, I do love a lot of bulbs. Um, oh, cross, how do you pronounce it? Um, cross, crossmia? Cro -cro oh, yeah, crocosmia. Is it crocosmia? I think I get it confused with crocus. <laughs> I those as well. And that's actually a cool way. I mean, have you found that you've learned about new plants by buying some on clearance that like you might not have tried otherwise? Yes. And sometimes I just, you know, if I'm in a garden, garden center and I see something that I'm just attracted to, like the um, Fothagilla, I bought, I have three Fothagilla shrubs right now. And it was because I was just attracted to the foliage on these. And they produce a beautiful bottle brush bloom. Ooh. And the leaves, two of mine, the leaves turn green, but one of them, the leaves turn a silvery blue. So when I saw that at the garden center, I just said, I, I'll find a place 
in my garden. <laughs> it's the, it's the curse of the garden addiction. It's like, how can we find enough room? And that's why I love your sheet mulching mes- method so much is because you can take area that might be lawn or like another use. And I'm always finding more space by <laughs> utilizing that. So <laughs> I actually did a couple, um, with like edged bed so I could grow up a little bit. Cause I, I wanted to speed up the process and get some things in ground because I bought too many plants. So <laughs> I like I like it for that as well. And so what are some of your favorites you would say? I mean, it's, it sounds like getting plants from friends and family. That's such a special way to receive them. And what in your garden, what are some of your favorites that you're currently growing? A favorite plants right now. Um, there is a canna lily, a big red, tall canna lily that I love um, that I got from the colorful gardener who's on Instagram and he has a YouTube channel as well. Um, and he shared a lot of plants with me. I went to visit him. I now I'll share my whole story about the colorful gardener real quick. Yeah, please. So I was on YouTube just, you know, doing what gardeners do, looking at YouTube videos I saw his videos. They were great. I really enjoyed them. And I realized that he lived in South Carolina also. So I always told him I had to do a a low key stalking of him. (laughs) Kind of like me with you. (laughs) So I found him on Instagram. And one day I sent him a message and I said, oh, I love your garden. Your YouTube videos are great. Um, And he said, well, if you're ever in Greenville, come by the garden. I said, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Flower friends in action. (laughs) So now I just messaged him the other day, you know, we're still good friends, you know, we, and he's been to my garden as well. Gave me, it's called a tetrapanics. It's a really big um, tropical plant. Mine hasn't gotten really big just yet, but I treasure this plant. So when people come to my garden, there, there are some, sometimes you have non-gardeners who come to your garden and they see a bed that's empty and they think that it's okay to walk in it uh-huh. growing. And, you know, I have to stop people, you know, immediately and say, please don't walk into the garden beds because there are things growing waiting to come out. And so that tetrapanics is one of them. It's very tiny at first, so you can't really see it. So every year I see it come out of the ground I cover it up with um, an old hanging basket, just so everybody knows, not this spot. (laughs) (laughs) This is my precious baby right here. (laughs) Right here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've never seen that plant before, so I'll have to grab some photos and we can post it when we uh, air your episode. I I would love to see what that looks like and how cool that you got it from a friend too. Yeah. So are you sharing some of your plants with other gardeners that come by? Yes. Yes. Uh, I had a friend come by the other day and um, I dug up some day lilies for her, um, gave her some canna lilies because my garden, because that soil stays so moist, the canna lilies will reproduce over and over again. So um, my garden has gotten to that maturity to where I can do a lots of divisions and share things with people. So I'm always, when someone comes over, I grab the shovel, I grab an empty container and I dig up something to give to them. I love that. One thing that I have a hard time with is 
getting out there and enjoying my garden. Cause I think I'm so critical of like, Oh, that plant doesn't look good. Or I need to water this. And you get thinking, do you have like a space or an area that you kind of get to sit back and enjoy what you've grown? Uh, so I, I know that feeling definitely. <laughs> and that's, that's part of why I do my morning garden walks. So on my Instagram, I, each morning I walk through the garden and just take little snippets, little videos of what I'm seeing each morning. And that is my time to just chill and enjoy the garden, see what's new. And I always say it's like, it's like a little kid at Christmas. Yes. I get that feeling every morning (laughs) there and just see what the garden has given me today. So my morning garden walks are definitely that time where I just pause instead of thinking about, oh, I got to pull weeds. I got to dig this. I got to do that. It's my moment just to see what the garden is talking about that day, you know, and see what's, what's popping up out of the ground, you know, and see just how beautiful some things are, you know, that I, that I walk past every day and never take the time to look at it. Um, And then I have another spot and I haven't shared it on Instagram. I've mentioned it, but I had a sunroom built and it's not attached to my home. It's kind of like a greenhouse sunroom. (gasps) Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Very soon, as soon as it's done. But um, I have a little chair in there that I'll be, it's a little hammock actually. Little hammock, um, chair hammock. And I'll go out there in the mornings with a cup of coffee and just sit in that hammock and look at the garden or at night, take a glass of wine and just sit in that hammock and, and see the beautiful sunsets that happen in my back backyard. So, yeah, you've been posting some of those lately and they're gorgeous. I'm, I'm jealous because where I'm at, I can see the sunset kind of, but it's going behind trees. And so <laughs> that's a great view that you have from the backyard. Thank you. And I've been really careful not to plant anything too tall where that sunset is. So I've been cautious. I've been paying attention to that, you know, making sure to plant a tree that's going to block that view. Yeah, Don't, don't. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> Um, and have you been working on any recent projects that you'd like to share? Oh, wow. Um, so this year, like I mentioned, I really want to see if I can not spend too much money. So one of my biggest projects is just doing a lot of divisions and using what's already here in my garden. And that's actually um, kind of a um, design technique as well because I'll have a big mound of um, say daisies, uh, Shasta daisies that can be divided. So I could just divide those and kind of just spread them out within that one area and have a nice big beautiful drift of flowers. So that's kind of, you know, my project anyway is just to use what I have already in my garden and expand it and use that to just repeat some beautiful patterns throughout the garden with what's already here. Like you're saying, if you've got multiple of one plant, it kind of looks more pulled together. 
And so I love that idea. My, I think my perennials aren't established enough to do that, but do you have any tips on how you would divide a plant like a Shasta daisy? Yeah. So I would recommend doing it in the fall actually, but you can do it in the spring, early spring. And I did that last year, early spring, as it was coming out of the ground. And I just sink a shovel right in half and, and I don't really dig it up. I don't dig the whole plant up because the roots that are already in place, once I cut it in half, the half that's already in the ground is gonna be a lot more successful. And then I can just take that transplant and put it elsewhere. So I just feel like instead of digging the entire plant up, just cut it in half in place. That way you have a little more success with being able to divide later on because you'll have that one that's already established. So, so that's, that's what I've been doing, just making sure to leave it in the ground and use the shovel to do the dividing and just cut it in half and move it. That's a brilliant tip. I feel like that will help a lot of people because yeah, I think we always picture digging up the whole plant and chopping it in half and then spreading it, but you're right. It would really set that other side back that, you know, doesn't need to come up. So I love that. And then um, if people want to watch your videos of your garden and some of your tips for, you know, doing sheet mulching and edging of gardens and, and just see your garden grow, where, where can they find you on your YouTube channel? Um, they can find me on YouTube at Jay's Garden Journal, three separate words, but on Instagram, Jay's Garden Journal, of course, one, one whole name. Okay, perfect. And I love how you call yourself the hype woman for beginning gardeners. <laughs> so people can follow along and get tips and tricks from you and other things that you share. Right. Because gardening is so accessible. You know, you, you really don't have to spend money. You can just go to a friend's house and say, Hey, can I get a shovel full of those day lilies? Can I get a shovel full of those lambs here? You know, and those are things that will grow and multiply and, and you'll have a garden. Thank you so much for sharing your tips with us. And I hope to keep following along and check back in with you soon. See how your garden grows over the summer. Awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad I got to talk to Jay. I've been following along with her for a while and I love seeing her garden transform in these different spaces that used to be grass and now have trees and flower borders. It's absolutely gorgeous. I loved her advice about sharing flowers, whether it's dahlias or irises or any plant that you can divide and share with your friends. It's a great way to get more going on in your garden and to help other people start theirs. And I also love her tip about repeating plants that you already have in your garden, taking what you have and dividing it and spreading it out so that it's more filled in and lush and looks like it's cohesive. That's a little bit of a problem that I have because I want to get every single plant in my yard. <laughs> but I think it would look better over time if I can repeat some of the ones that I love. It'll look a little bit more pulled together, I guess. So I hope those tips from her were really helpful and inspire you to go out and start sheet mulching some of your lawn and turn it into beautiful garden beds. She has an amazing YouTube channel and Instagram where she updates and shows her sheet mulching methods. So I definitely recommend popping over to her Instagram, Jay's Garden Journal, 
and look at some of the recent reels that she's had that show like the before and after of a space. So your flower friends flower fact of the day is that you can take cuttings from a dahlia to reproduce your stock really quickly. So if you're getting a dahlia tuber in the mail, you can try this. Doesn't hurt the tuber at all. You can take your tuber, put it in a little pot of soil, like a four inch pot, and just have the neck and the area where the eye is showing exposed to the air. And give the soil, it it needs to be a little bit of a moist soil. And then where the eye is, a little sprout will start. And you can actually cut that sprout off when it's about, probably about two inches is when I take them. And you can poke it right into its own soil and start that and it'll become its own dahlia plant. It'll grow more tubers over the season. So it's kind of a cool way to just multiply. I'm doing a lot of cuttings right now and some of you might be doing them too. It's definitely like intermediate level. So if you're just a beginner, just take your dahlia tuber and put it in the ground. (laughs) But if you're wanting to try to get more of a really special variety, taking cuttings is a great way to do it. I have a whole episode on dahlias coming up soon where I'm going to talk to my friend Margaret from Ballard Urban Flowers about some of our favorite dahlia varieties, ways that we grow them here in the city, nutrients that we can add, and some of the challenges that we've both faced with growing dahlias, including dahlia virus. So stay tuned for that. But next Monday, an episode with Margaret is going to come out where we'll talk about seed starting and we'll chat a little bit about her setup and some of her tips for starting healthy plants as seeds. If this is your first episode of Flower Friends that you're listening to, you will come to find that I am going to close each episode with a little song that I'm going to sing as the outro. The song of the week this week is Moon River. I think it's by Andy Williams originally. It was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, but my favorite version is by Frank Ocean. So I highly recommend listening to the real and amazing versions, but because I can't afford to throw that on at the end of the episode, I'm going to sing you out. All right, take care, have a good week, and listen to some real Moon River, not my crap version. Dum, da, dum, dum, da, dum, dum. Moon River, wider than a mile, I'm crossing you in style someday.